Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> I'm just staring at Meadow. I thought you were late funny. to the party. <laughs> we're just on your phone. <laughs> yeah, I was. My bad. Hello. I'm present now. Oh my God. What a combo we just had. I'm so in love. It's not even funny. No, literally. You'll, you'll hear us fall in love. You'll see it too. In this episode. Oh yeah. This, this is a one, this is a one to watch. We talk about synchronicities a lot on mm-hmm. the pod, but this is someone that even from the two of you's meet cute to like everything that's unfolded afterwards to finding out we're from the same hometown, grew up raised in the same dance studio. Like every single thing that we've shared with each other has just been uncanny. I think I got chills like seven times. No, literally me too. I knew that this was going to be a remarkable conversation, but I am in awe of the expansive directions that this went in. Yeah. It was really amazing. So let me tell you guys before we keep boasting about how amazing she is. Today we have on the one, the only Melinda Solares. Let me read to you her bio because my God, (laughs) this woman is quite the woman. So Melinda's career at Sephora began in 2015 in the makeup merchandising department, working with some of the fastest growing brands on the market to develop their new products. She then discovered a passion for video content on Sephora's social media marketing team. And she'll talk about this a bit in her interview with us as well, where she ideated and created beauty tutorials for Sephora's YouTube channel and built Sephora's IGTV program. Soon after, she was made one of the first ever members of the hashtag Sephora Squad, which is a crew of unique, unfiltered storytellers with diverse points of view and interests. Outside of beauty, Melinda is passionate about advocating for mental health. Just wait until you hear our entire conversation about mental health and spirituality. Also, make sure you're following her on Instagram because one of the most raw advocates out there. She is on a lifelong wellness journey that she openly speaks about to raise awareness and positively impact others along the way. And then... In 2020, Melinda advanced her role as Sephora Beauty Director, where she continues to teach and inspire fearlessness in the beauty industry and community, striving to ensure that we all belong to something beautiful at Sephora. We are so grateful for the work that she does there. And we talk a lot about how valuable her specific perspective is, particularly working in the beauty industry and how much we just like need that perspective infused into everything else. Anyway, I can't, I can't talk no, anymore. No, seriously, it's fine. I'll take it away. We, our inner childs were literally screaming during this episode. Like there was so much coverage of creativity and business and emotions and how those support each other. We talked about, obviously a bit about her career journey. We talked about grief and loss. She lost her mother to cancer when she was 17. And we talked about kind of like moving through that and how that moved into workaholism, which has positive and negative effects, like everything else in life. We talked about like a deep depression and anxiety that sent her into such a deep spiritual awakening and how she's like moved through bringing spirituality into her mental health practices. We talked about, God, everything. Like, I'm like, I don't even know how to, how to, I don't want to take anything away from this episode. I want you guys to listen to it and I want you to be set up for it. But my God, like the way that this woman just, infuses all aspects of herself into what she brings and really shows up as her authentic self in every space is such a role model for us. And like, I I really feel like my inner child is just absolutely screaming. I'm at a loss for words to describe this episode. If you are somebody who is curious about the connection between career growth and mental health growth, Yes. This is an episode for you. If you're somebody Absolutely. who doubts the connection, this is an episode for you. Absolutely. I'm so excited to hear your guys' feedback. We've talked, you know, we've talked about career on here, of course, and we talk about that connection, but I don't think we ever have talked about it as in depth as we did in today's episode. And I just think yeah. how intertwined they are just cannot be denied any longer. I would also say we got probably as deep in grief as we've ever gone before. So yeah. if that's something that doesn't feel like what you want to explore today, we'll obviously have timestamps down below and you can bypass it. Although it it might make you feel really seen because we just felt so seen this whole episode and she's just such a gift. So, but just a little warning in case it's not for you today. Well, we'll stop talking because we clearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we can't. (laughs) We, there's, there's too much to be said. Please enjoy our conversation with our friend, Melinda. I'm Meadowlark. And I'm Gabriela. 
And this is Thoughts May Vary. The podcast that sits at the intersection of mental health, nuance, and community. And we're grateful you're here. And that's me. That's just a little bit about us. Yeah. And is that gimmicky <laughs> enough for the people? <laughs> oh my God. How chic are you? I know. What a background. Oh my God. Oh, the fit, the hair, the makeup. It's Everything. like you work at Sephora. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. What do you know? <laughs> what would you know? It's like you work in beauty. Yeah. It's just been a couple of years, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Hi. No, to be honest, I had such like a wake up on the wrong side of the bed kind of day. And I oh. just seriously like dug my claws into my self care ritual and just like nice. glamorized myself to bring myself back to life. Oh we'll turn gosh. that around. We'll turn yeah. it yes. around for sure. Yeah. We're so oh, it grateful. has already. I'm so happy to be here. Oh. Belinda, I'm so excited to talk to you. It's not even funny. Even my mother gave me, you're sitting on like a huge thing of old childhood photos. And even because I told my mom and even my mom was like, oh my God, go look and see if your friends in your old baby dance photos. And I was like, no, she's Susan's age. Like, I don't think we're in the same photo. Like I did story no, with the fringe on top. No, older than I am. So are you, I'm, you're one, one dance level above me, I think. Because I don't think we, we weren't in the same routine. I have no idea, but I, so like Christine Miyagi, Jessica Saunders, like the, those were my, that was my little dance yeah. crew. And then Susan, I think was maybe a year older, older. Um, than we were, but oh my gosh, just the amount of synchronicities between Meadow, Gabby, myself leading up to this, I was like, can I just tell you also, I manifested this, like. I, this is my first podcast. What? And yes. How? This is my first podcast. <laughs> no, literally how? Wow. I have been wanting to do it for so long and it just, it hasn't been something that was like formally part of the role. And so sure. I kind of made it part of my role. And when Gabby walked up to me after I spoke at the Rare Beauty Mental Health Summit and she was like, oh, I'm also Cuban. I love what you said. Like we have this podcast and she's like, Meadows a mental health coach. I was beauty editor. I'm just like, how is this real life? <laughs> yeah, no, it oh was, gosh. I remember sitting at that panel and hearing you talk and the entire time my jaw was like to the ground. Cause I was like, I cannot believe that I'm in the same space with this woman that I have the opportunity to then go up to her. I was like, I have to. I was also like, you were texting going me. to an event. First time going to an event, like without a plus one. So I was mm -hmm. already like nervous. Not and then you. like going up to you oh they didn't let me I tried to bring Meadow yeah. <laughs> for like sorry you can't have plus yeah. ones I was like great uh -huh. <laughs> um so I tried I tried very hard but yeah I remember being like you have to go up to her like you have got to go up to her because I just felt this immediate connection with you and then when you were so open and excited about the podcast and just like connecting and talking in general I was like She's someone that like we're no, gonna. No, Gabby gonna left and called me on the phone and was like, "You're not gonna believe who I met. Like, she's Cuban, but from San Diego, and she's both of us, and she's so fucking cool. And like, wait till you yeah. see." And then I like open my phone, and you and I are like blowing each other up on Instagram within an hour. I was like, <laughs> "Oh, this is she's our people. Like, she's yeah. our people. It's so clear." Yep, absolutely. Like, I feel very strongly that was your intuition at work, Gabby, and I'm so yeah. grateful you walked up to me. Like the second you did too, like I looked you in the eyes and I was just like this you almost felt familiar to me like it yeah. was instant Whoa. comfort I'm just over the moon to be here so thank you for <gasps> having me of course We're thank you for so taking happy the to time have you. let's yeah. jump in baby okay so I feel let's like you're it. gonna know you know the drill because I know you've been listening a little bit but we start yeah by asking every guest what are you unpacking take it any way you want baby all right so I am unpacking prim and proper I'm an un unpacking etiquette so the other day I was thinking about this, actually Glennon Doyle spoke about this on her podcast, the difference between etiquette and politeness and how etiquette is really, it's really in service to you to mm -hmm. make yourself look or appear a certain way, right? Whereas politeness is about the other. It's not about the mm. self, it's about the other. And, and both are really ingrained into our society, especially for women, I think. And I've had a lot of angst around being female as of late. And so this prim and proper kind of feeling is what I'm just like trying to smash through. Like I literally went to yes. a smash house. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. No, like, but I've just always been talking wanted to. about this. Yes, tell us. I so recommend it. The two of you would have so much fun. Field trip. I literally went by myself the first time. Like that's how badly I needed to get this out. 
And then the second time I went with my friend Marissa and it was so fun. They, they literally just give you like a box of like old plates from like Goodwill or whatever it is. And then a bat and like a crowbar and you're like in a full like suit. I'm like, oh my gosh. And you go in there and then they just like leave you in the room. And I was standing there in silence. And I was like, what do I do? Like, how do I channel this? Yeah. You know, the opposite of prim and proper, like let the anger out, let the real out. And, uh, I literally connected my Bluetooth and just put on like the hardest metal that I knew (laughs) and just lost it. And it was so healing, but I'm still, I'm still sifting through that. I'm a people pleaser in recovery. So Mm. yes, this whole idea of prim and proper and etiquette, I'm trying to let go. That like divine feminine rage is so real. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. It's also such an interesting balance between now I feel like we're having this awakening of women including myself like realizing that moving into our divine feminine is not tapping into that like prim and proper mentality yes. like the female stereotypes so yes. it's it must be so interesting for you moving through that and like deciphering what is your divine your divine feminine and what is things that society have placed on you that you need to be doing and like archetypes that society totally. has placed on us to be women Exactly. I've been thinking a lot about specifically our generation. Mm-hmm. You know, we're about the same age, you know, the, mm-hmm. the mid to younger millennials. I really feel like we were one of the first generations to maybe because of social media to see how being feminine can be so much different than what society pushed on us because we started to see so much more of the world as social media opened that up for us. But we were the ones that were raised without it and mm-hmm. then gained it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have that kind of polarizing experience that I think makes it a lot more twisted and backwards in our heads to untangle because like it's ingrained and then you become like you get into your 20s or 30s and all of a sudden it's cool and it's progressive and it's seen as successful to become your divine feminine right Mm -hmm. but like our entire conditioning Mm -hmm. was the opposite Mm -hmm. so I have a lot of hope for Gen Z (laughs) god so do I Melinda, did you, did you do a cotillion down here? I did. They took me to the Ranger Santa Fe cotillion when I was younger. So this close. (gasps) Yeah. 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 My, my older sister did it and my mom, I remember her talking about it and yeah. How was that experience for you? All I remember is that the boys wouldn't hold my hands when you danced. Like you're supposed to like learn different (laughs) dancing and how to eat and whatever the whole nine. And they were like, this one kid would like keep pulling his hand back. And I remember being like six and being like, grow up and hold my hand. I just want to get this over with. <laughs> like, please. I but always yeah, wanted I just, to do cotillion. I was like you jealous would. of, you would. yeah. I mean, now yeah. in retrospect, I'm really thankful that my mom did not put me in cotillion. Well, I mean, yeah. I already grew up in like a Cuban household where like I knew how to set a table properly since like right. the moment I came out the womb. But my yeah my mom was like very not into it and I'm glad she didn't do it and no hate on people have done it but I was always jealous of my friends that did it because they would like go and wear like little tiaras and like have their little dresses and I was like oh my god I want to do that and I never did it yeah yeah it's it's a very complex experience I'm sure and then that's like ingrained in you and Mm -hmm. gosh yeah I had the type of less so from my Cuban side actually more Mm. so from my mom's side my mom's side came from a very kind of like socialite prim right. and proper everything's mm. perfect like I couldn't leave the dining table without saying excuse me and I remember being like a little girl and like stubborn sitting there like crying and my grandma wouldn't let me leave and I was just like no I'm not saying excuse me. yeah yeah wow yeah. my family was so similar it was like you have to bring three things to the dinner table of like something you learned that day or like something to talk about or whatever. But then at the same time, my mom like refused to sign any dress code I ever had growing up in school. So it was very confusing mixed messaging. (laughs) That's so interesting. Like I'm just thinking about a memory of, I mean, I'm really grateful for this experience, but it is interesting when you like don't give kids the autonomy to decide things. Like I'm thinking about Sundays at my house we we didn't really go to church or anything growing up but my mom very clearly was like you guys can't go anywhere on Sundays like Sunday's family day like we're hanging out here we're gonna cook we'll have a barbecue like whatever it is but like you guys are hanging out at the house and we would always have Sunday afternoon like big lunches just like with our family and that was so amazing and a tradition that like I really want to pass down into my future kids 
but it was the same it was the same thing because it was like we could not like my mom my sister and I would be screaming at each other from across the table and my stepdad bless him would just like be like tuned out but we still couldn't leave the table it was like we would have everyone and then it would like we'd all fight and then like go upstairs and then we're like okay but I guess that was like kind of a human experience it's like the give and take in both yeah you know what I mean it was interesting totally the parents were trying. They were trying. They were for sure trying. <laughs> they were trying. <laughs> the parents they were, were trying. absolutely trying. But I did see... That is something... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, my God. <laughs> Two people recovering people pleasers. <laughs> Melinda, please, after you. They, what if I just kept going back and we just, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, you go. No, please. We send each other thank you notes. But then I just start talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, respect. Um... No, I was going to say, you know, one of the things I, I have four nephews and one of the things that I really recognize with how people are raising a lot, you know, at least my siblings, a lot of people that I know that are raising their kids these days, there's a lot less of like shutting down your kid Mm -hmm. um, or telling them that they're wrong or telling them that they like have to be somewhere, you know, I think there's a little bit more permission. Yeah. Um, And that's really interesting to me because then you start thinking about how that affects our intuition, like, especially as children. And as you grow, it's like, if you're constantly being told, like your parents are, you know, fighting in the other room and you're sitting at the dinner table and they're like, no, you have to stay there. And they're, they're like, you're fine. You're fine. Talk to your, you know, it skews your own perception of your reality and trust in yourself. And so I really loved how I've been seeing people kind of ease into it a bit oh, more. Yeah. I think 100%. I've told this story on the podcast before, but my boyfriend's cousin is raising a daughter right now. And she is the cutest thing on planet earth. And I think she's like around five. And the first time I met her, we were at his grandparents' house and she was, and this is the Latino side of his family, which is also something to note because I grew up very much like, give them a hug, give them a kiss, like the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she was in a room saying (laughs) hi to all of us. Yeah. And, and one of his cousins was like, oh, like, can I have a hug? And she just looked at him and goes, no, thank you. And like (laughs) walked away. And I looked oh, yes. at his cousin and I was like, do you want to raise me? Like what Literally. is, yeah. it was, and she just like, she has no beef with him. Like they get along perfectly fine her and this, and this older cousin, but like, she just wasn't in the mood to give a hug. Yeah. And she was like, no, thank you. No, thanks. And, he, and yeah. his cousin was like, yeah, we're really trying to teach her. Like, if you want to, if you feel inclined to like, okay, do it. But like, if you don't like, that's okay. It's your body. Like it's incredible. But speaking of, speaking of intuition, because I remember one of the things I said to Meadow after I heard you speak for the first time at the summit, I was like, she is just so grounded in her authenticity and intuition. Everything that was coming out of your mouth sounded like it was just being downloaded through you. Like you spoke with such intention and clarity and you were also speaking to things that I was really, really working on that I hadn't heard I guess, verbalized in the way that you did at that time. So it was like perfect synchronicities. And what you were talking about was specifically about detachment, which I'm like a big detachment person and like learning to lean into Mm -hmm. that detachment. And you said something that stuck with me and I haven't written down here because I was like, I can't forget this. And I wrote it down. I I wrote it down the moment you said it. I was like, "Mm -mm." okay. (laughs) You said, (laughs) you said giving up control is part of leveling up. If everything's mapped out, there's no space for growth. But when nothing's guaranteed, everything is possible. And Mm -hmm. that is a sentiment that I don't always hear coming from people on the business side of things. I think that's something that we hear a lot being talked about from an advocate's perspective or, you know, the wellness healer or thought leader in that sort of category. I mean, you've been at Sephora for eight years now. You've worked across three different departments. And I would really love to hear how that sort of detachment mindset has played a role specifically in your career trajectory. Because I don't think we always connect the two. We absolutely don't. Yeah. Oh, I love that you brought that up. And I love that you brought up like the business side of it mm-hmm. too, because that's so part of my journey being at Sephora for eight years. You know, I started in our makeup buying department. And mm-hmm. so it was very business. It was very analytical. We're one of two teams that actually work directly with all of the brands that Sephora carries. So it was like become a professional like that. You know, mm-hmm. I was having meetings with Anastasia at, you know, oh as gosh. entry level. It was, but it was like move quickly, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. put on the face. After realizing that was a little bit 
out of my wheelhouse. I loved it there. And it was, I don't regret starting there at all. It was the perfect place to start because I got to see how the business works. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to move into something more creative. And I was obsessed with uh, video content and YouTube and all of that. And so I moved to our social media team when I heard that they were opening a studio in Los Angeles, but there was literally no one there. They opened the studio. There was like fold up tables and like a corner of product and like one manager running the studio. And uh, I went to my SVP at the time in San Francisco and I was like, how can I become a part of this? And they totally went on a whim and created a contractor role for me. I mean, when I started at the studio, I was going in and workout clothes, just like organizing, inventorying products. Um, I was an art PA. I, I did everything under the sun at that studio. And then I got to the point where I was jumping on camera here and there when models wouldn't show up or whatever was happening. And I started to love it. And during the pandemic, we didn't have anyone to shoot with because we couldn't bring them into the studio, basically. So we set up three different in-home studios, one at my house and then two at two of our other beauty directors at the time. And I just remember talking to my then boss and she was like, how are you liking being on camera? And I was like, oh, I love it. But I just don't think I could leave this role behind the camera. I love coaching people on camera. I love mm. pulling out their authenticity. Like mm. that human interaction is what I live for. But I was like, if a beauty director role ever opens up, literally a week and a half later, Jeffrey, our old beauty director, gave his notice. And then I joined the beauty director team during the pandemic. And that is the first time that I actually called myself a creative. Wow. It took, yeah, yeah it took like five and a half, six years. Um, and I just wouldn't give myself permission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that control, that detachment mm -hmm. and that control that you're talking about, I had this perception of who I was supposed to be. I was going to be the CMO of Sephora. Like that was my goal. Um, and I was on my way. And who knows what I'll do next. But I think that detachment and letting go of control all started right there. And it's what has actually allowed me to heal myself. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the beauty director role has allowed me to heal myself. So it's been really beautiful. God, that is so beautiful. I mean, I just feel so <laughs> seen by what you said. Absolutely. I mean, me letting go of my own perception of what I needed to become because I had this idea when I was 12 years old that I was going to be the next Anna Wintour. And then when I got to Condé Nast, I looked my boss in the face when I was interviewing and she was like, what's your dream job? And I was like, to sit in your chair. Like, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. And then for me to leave that mm -hmm. role, mm -hmm. you know, and, and leave that company. And again, we don't know what the, what, what's in store for me, but I really, really, really identify with what, with yeah. what you're saying. And I'm just so grateful that you're so open because for so many women in business, like, I mean, man, yeah. like closed mouths don't get fed, but we're also mm -hmm. not taught to speak up because why would people nope. teach us to speak up? Because then they can hoard more for themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm just so grateful that yeah. you're you're opening the door for this conversation, particularly just in your industry, because also, and then I'll shut up about this, like there's always such no. a separation of, of corporate and creative and why can't yes, the two yes. live together? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Oh, now you're speaking my yes. language. Yeah. <laughs> well, that creative piece really speaks to me too, Gabby, because Gabby and I just did an episode unpacking inner child work. So maybe I'm projecting, but I, I feel like, oh, oh you, you know, but I feel like my fellow Hammonds girl is going to relate like growing up as a dancer and then leaving dance. Mm. One is always a part of your identity forever. But yeah. then two, ever since leaving that, like I felt so lost in my creativity. And I kept saying like, I'm an artist without a medium. Like yeah. that line yes. from Vicky Cristina Barcelona, when she's like, I have so many emotions and so many feelings and no artistic talents to to imbue them into. And it's sad and tragic. I was like, that's me. Like, I felt like I had lost that, even though I loved YouTube. I loved clothes. Mm -hmm. I loved drawing. Like I loved all these things, but I wasn't talented enough at one to kind of channel it in. Yeah. So it, it's so similar, like this, this work towards your authentic self, this work towards your self-worth It all the work towards the divine feminine also helps us marry the two, like bringing the creative into business, because frankly, Business is emotional as fuck. Yeah. And people don't want to talk about it. And it's all emotional. Yeah, it truly is. And we have so much masculine energy. And yes. I know you both get it. It's not It's not gender. It's no. literally the energy. Mm -hmm. And what it's, you know, it's like we have so much masculine energy in business. It's all do, 
move forward, execute. And I think we lose view of the bigger picture of our intention and working behind the camera for so many years with some of, you know, our biggest talent, celebrities, brand founders, like seeing the best of the best in front of the camera and trying to pull out their authenticity and rawness. Some of them, of course, were incredible, but you come across so many people who are still so guarded that they can't, they can't open up they can't and that's you know that's their journey but at a certain point I was like what am I doing I am like innately an open book like I don't know why I'm like this but I am like I want to get up there and I want to share all of my ideas and all of my thoughts and all my creativity related back to business and show that you can be both you don't have to be one or the other I recently got invited to speak at Harvard yes did over the moon because usually they don't invite people like me, you know, um, more of a creative role. Usually they're inviting the CEOs or the founder and going as a creative and a mental health advocate. I just feel like these are the steps I'm trying to take forward, you know? Oh my God. How has this like ability to grow into your authenticity, especially like alongside coaching people to do it on camera too, is so interesting. How has that informed making really conscious decisions for yourself and other aspects. Mm. Cause I know you just shared recently that you stopped taking medication and I yeah. got a f- anxiety medication as I grew into my spirituality practice as well. So I'm like, so curious how that's affected you and like all other aspects of your life, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the, the medication part, I feel like, you know, it's so personal to yes. everyone. Yeah. Um, I was, I'm, I, it, it served its purpose for me and I'm so happy mm-hmm. to, I don't regret um, mine at all either. Like no knocking meds in any capacity. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like um, I have so many family members I have that mental health just like surrounds me. So many family yeah. members I have who are on medication and it's been life changing for Absolutely. them. So yeah, I just want to say that. Absolutely. But what was the first part of your question? I'm so sorry. Just kind of like how growing into your authenticity has bled into making really conscious decisions in all areas of your life. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yes. I really think that it's about presence. Like my ability working with people. I'm in love with you. (laughs) Every, I'm like, it is all about presence. I literally have a tattoo that says here to remind me to be here now. Like everything you say, I'm obsessed in love with you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Please keep going. No, you give me, you've given me chills like four times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all about presence. Like, I don't think that I realized that's what it was at first. Because when I started coaching people behind the camera, I had not started my like, self love journey, Mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is the interaction and the intention behind what we were doing innately made it so present between me and that individual. And being able to connect in that way with them so that they can really tune in and find what it is that they want to share that's authentic about themselves, mm-hmm. then translated to me realizing how important presence is for me when I'm on camera. Mm. So when I started as a beauty director role dur- during the pandemic, like taking PR interviews for my first time through Zoom and all of this stuff. I meditated before every single one. Hell yes. Wow. So cool. I meditate. I meditated before the Rare Beauty Summit. Like I have to come back to myself. Meditated before this. I've meditated twice today. (laughs) Yes, I love that. And and that doesn't mean, you know, like an hour. It can be like literally five minute check-in. But yeah, yeah, presence is, is really what got me there. God, I couldn't agree more. It's the only way. And it's like- Every spirituality concept or practice or leader or whatever, every book, it like it is the underlying through message of everything. That like oh, yeah. time doesn't yeah. exist, memory is fickle, like the past and all these thoughts that we obsess over are all just made up in our mind, and all we have is the present moment. And when you like really take that, everything else is easier. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When I am listening to you talk right now, it's so hard for me to not think about just like the future of not just women in business, but anyone in business that is actually doing the work and is opening themselves up to healing because they go in tandem so much. And, you know, I, I grew up around a lot of people who are just very, they're just like intense intellectuals. And while some members of my family are really down to like get into the mental health journey and like learn about their healing, I've just 
I'm surrounded by some that just like aren't. And sometimes people just feel like it's a waste of time because why not like level up in my career instead and then sort of create this whole life for myself, whether it's financially or success wise, and then I'll deal with that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what we forget is Mm -hmm. that like they they're just they work in tandem. And when I hear you talk particularly about infusing that creative and corporate side, infusing the masculine and feminine energy in the workplace, that is success. Like that is what's going to level people up and have them quantum leap so much faster. And I really want to take a second to zoom in really quickly on your mental health journey, because today by chance is my five-year anniversary of doing the Hoffman process, which everyone take a shot on the podcast because I talk about Hoffman all the time. Yeah, And Hoffman was really my aha moment. It was the time in my life where I left being able to hear myself so clearly. I felt like I was introduced to myself for the first time at 22 years old. And I would love to hear about if you had an aha moment that you were like, "Mm, this is the time that I'm going to start that healing journey. Oh man. Okay. So yes. And I actually haven't really shared this very publicly Mm -hmm. before. Actually, just in the last two weeks, I told my friends at Sephora and some of my team about this. And I was a little nervous to share it, but I received such positive and supportive feedback. And so I had an entire awakening. It's like such a cheesy term or stigmatized term rather, but I had a full awakening and my depression had gotten so bad. It was truly at the point where during the pandemic, where my partner and I were considering inpatience options, I just Mm -hmm. was lost. I was having these hysterical moments where I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like safe in my body. And he was, my my partner was just, you know, helpless. Mm -hmm. Something kind of popped into my mind when I had like a really bad one one day and I was like, you know what? I'm going to see a clairvoyant. I'm going to go see someone and just see what happens. You know, after my mom passed away uh, from cancer when I was 17, my older sister, Renee, she actually started a new job and her boss at that job took her to a clairvoyant reading. Hmm. And in that, the reader was able to connect to my mom, like said my sister's name, like it was very validating. And about, you know, this fast forward about eight years, I'm starting to think, huh, okay, like I'm completely lost. Renee experienced this, like, why not? Like, hands up, I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I went and I started to ask her questions about moving to Nashville, because I live part time in Nashville. And that was happening at the moment and my career and my partnership and all this stuff. And She stops me from talking about like three minutes in only. And she says, I got to tell you, I can see that you're going to be reading people just like I am a year from now. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time or anything because I, you know, I hadn't explored that world. She said a few other validating things, but I hung up the phone and, you know, still all very new to me. I called my sister Renee, who had seen the clairvoyant years back. And Renee has a friend named Alex who runs this uh, clairvoyant school in San Diego, actually. And she's been a clairvoyant. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, she's been a clairvoyant for about 15 years, maybe maybe more. Her school is called Third Eye Psychic School. She um, has been a family friend forever. So just a little context. So I call my sister Renee and I start to tell her what had just happened. Like, what the hell? And she stops me from talking and she says, I spoke with Alex, the teacher at the clairvoyant school and her friend two weeks ago, and we were talking about you. And she said, you are going to find out that you will be reading people and that when you do to call her because she can help. So (laughs) yeah, me too. I started crying at this point and like, still, I was so lost. Like I didn't even really know what a clairvoyant was or any, what any of that meant. I was very, you know, new. For the last, I guess, about year and a half now, I've taken two foundational courses and I am now being certified in clairvoyance. Um, And it's something that I'm hoping to be able to really leverage with the work that I do. Um, You know, it's becoming such an asset, I think, to everyone post-pandemic kind of waking up and kind of exploring different things. And so that was a huge part of my awakening. Once I started to do 
the work, I actually went to a retreat in Portugal by myself right after the pandemic ends. I mean, like this was like challenging myself to the max. Like I went by myself to meet 22 people from all over the world. I had never interacted with clairvoyance or anything like that before. And um, it just started to all unravel from there. But since I've been doing this work and it's so self-healing work, like I just feel like my mental health has excelled. Absolutely. And so that's kind of been my story up until now. And I'm like seven weeks out from officially being certified and I'm just ah! hyped. <laughs> oh my God. That is I, so exciting. Meadow, take it away. I know so, you have things to say. <laughs> no, it's just so fucking beautiful. And again, mm-hmm. like I just continue to feel so seen and like yeah. you are our soul sister. Like also losing my dad at 17, that experience was I like looking back, I don't know if I fully recognize it in real time because we were children. Yeah. Looking back, like that absolutely was the experience. Mm -hmm. I always call it choosing the or the first time I ever had to do that and like really bringing spirituality into mental health in a way that traditional psychology does not acknowledge and is so deeply lacking. Like you don't have to label Mm -hmm. it one thing. You could call it God. You could call it the universe. Like it doesn't have to be non-denominational, but like bringing this element of like spirit into our healing or like a bigger purpose mm-hmm. is so fucking healing in a way that I think people are still so resistant towards. But I just traditional therapy lacks so much like acknowledgement of the existentialism that we all have. So like dealing with grief, it just like, I feel so seen by you. I can't even. Well, I, I remember actually that I heard you talking about EMDR. And EMDR yes, is something yeah. that I've done a ton with my therapist. Cool. Of course you have. Yeah. I know. Like, I'm <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> the synchronicities just keep going. So my You're our long lost sister. You're the third co-host. Like it's oh, yeah. over. <laughs> if, if anyone ever calls out sick, just call me up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So my experience doing EMDR yeah. feels so much like meditative intuition work. It feels so much like getting quote unquote downloads. Yes. Like I was sitting there and she, so my therapist uses the buzzing machine. You know, for those of who don't know the EMDR, it's like a tapping back and forth. So she uses a little buzzer that like taps back and forth in your hand. And I was like, this could be used to help people like tap into their intuition. Like it's truly the same thing. So I so hear what you're saying. Like, I so think that it is the same. I just think that, a lot of things are stigmatized, whether it's mental health yeah. or whatever aspect of it that people get a little bit, oh, that's woo-woo. And it's, it's yeah. not yeah. really. Did you have all these tools when you were moving through the grief with your mom or like what helped you move through that at that time? Oh gosh. Okay. So when my mom passed away, I was 17 and mm-hmm. the most wild thing happened when I was also, when I was, I think, maybe 16, if I'm not mistaken, I found out that I have another sister that I never knew about. She is my father's long-lost child from Miami. Um, and she reached out to me on Facebook, saying last name and everything. It was that total, like, movie moment, like, I think I'm your yeah. sister. And I was like, what? And she was living in London at the time. She had her own fashion events company. She was... Ooh. Ellen McCartney, Armani, like I was going to fit them. So fashion was my everything. And I have three older siblings that I grew up with who have the same mom that had passed away. And I think we were getting towards the end of like emptying the house and everything. And they were kind of just like, Melinda, go. And my sister in London was like, come stay with me, come work with me. And I spent three or four months out there. Wow. I mean, I got to be a photographer for Stella McCartney because someone like messed up and they didn't show up. And my sister just handed me her camera and was like, you're our photographer. Like it was this incredible experience that I'm so grateful, so grateful for. But at the same time, it is what led me into putting my head down into workaholism, workaholicism, Mm. you know, like I, it's truly a blessing and a curse because it's like. I am where I am today because of how hard I worked and how focused I was on my career. But at the same time, I am where I am today because of how hard I worked and how much I focused on my career and how little I focused on my healing and grief. 
and mourning. Mm. And that's what took me to about a year and a half ago or two where I was, you know, literally forehead to the ground on the floor of my house, helpless, crying. Like, that's what grief does to you when you suppress it, when you push it and push it and push it for almost 10 years. So no, I didn't, I didn't sift through anything until, until I was a bit older. How about you? It's like that healthy, it's like that healthy level of distraction that then like, at Mm -hmm. what point is it not healthy anymore? Yeah. It was so interesting. I had like a really, really spiritual experience of his passing. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast or not. Um, My dad also had cancer, but he technically died by an accident. He like fell in our garage and had a lot of complications. I don't want to, I don't know who's triggered by medical stuff. So I'll, I'll I can download it with you later. Yeah. He was in the hospital in the ICU for 55 days in and out of a coma. So it was like this weird thing where we kind of, you had cancer. So leading up, we were like nervous, but then it was healing, but then it was better. So it was kind of like this weird level of prep and then a big accident. So it was like this weird instantaneous, yet we saw it coming. Yeah. But so my mom, my sister and I were in the room as he passed. I was literally sitting on his legs, like looking at him. And I remember really not wanting to be there. Like I told all the nurses, like I didn't even go to the hospital for the first two weeks because I knew my dad was my soulmate. Absolute like love of my life soulmate. We are each other's people. And I knew he wouldn't want me to see him in like a bad state. So I didn't even go for the first two weeks, but then it lasted so long. So then I went and I remember just like, I didn't want to hear the death rattle. I was warned by all the hospice people how shit goes down and I didn't want to be there for it. And if I was not there, I would be in such a monumentally different space for the worse. Mm. It's not even funny. It was the most beautiful lifetime movie, like inhale, exhale. It's almost like he smiled exhaling. Like it was so Mm. fucking beautiful. My whole chest filled with warmth and like bright light. And I saw the color yellow and I just heard a voice. It was like, I don't know if it was my, I just heard like, it's all good. It's all going to be okay. Mm. Like it's all going to be to the point where it's like, you can, you like see the lights go out. Like you can see someone pass so clearly and feel it so clearly. And you know, they say like, if you weigh your body right before, right after it, it, you're, you weigh slightly less, like the soul Mm. has an energetic weight to it, which is so cool. It maybe like 10 seconds pass and my mom's sister and I start laughing, like literally laughing. Wow. We were like, this is the most like, like, that's a joke. Like that was the most beautiful, joyous, like easy. And I think that gave me so much fucking peace wow. that I just really didn't see coming that everything else, like I gave myself permission to grieve. I, I went to therapy right away afterwards. Like, so I was doing all the different things, but it almost... I don't know. It's almost like that experience, like really let me release so much in that. Yes. That that carried me through everything else. Like I'm, it's so clear to me that he's okay. And he's still with me all the time that like, it feels like he's on a business trip and I just has the wrong phone plan. And I just Mm. can't talk to him. Like, it's just so clear that he's all around me. I never really feel alone. Of course I have moments and I'll always have breakdowns or like I'm engaged. So I think about like, I, I never wanted a wedding before and I really don't want one now because I'm not walking down an aisle without him. Like that kind Aww. of thing. Yeah. Or you get wrapped up in those moments. But I don't, I don't know. It's just like that experience let me ride through it, really. Mm-hmm. And isn't it so interesting how that almost feels intentional for your journey? Like, although like my, yes. my experience with my mom was probably the opposite. I was there when she passed. I was holding her hand. And I did feel her go, but it it wasn't, it wasn't a release. And the biggest mistake and one of my biggest traumas to this day is after we all left and they Mm -hmm. came to take her body away, they asked if anyone wanted to see her again. And all of my siblings were like, no, we're good. I don't know know. why. I I don't know why I did it, but that weight stayed with me for so long. Mm. Totally. She was in the bag. Like, yeah. It's so messed yeah. up to even say, but that weight. No, I, I left me. the room and had to say, don't look. Like, yes. don't look one more time. Don't look one more. Like, I, I, it feels like yesterday. I know saying that to myself. Mm. I, I feel you so deeply. But that is because the body changes immediately, too. Yes. And, and that experience, yeah. I don't think, warn you. 
seeing her like that and that weighing on me, I think is actually what led me to make sure she was okay to and deal to with start it. exploring yeah. those things. Like it took me a while yeah. to get there, but my journey got me here in my career. And then was, totally. I was able to like untap that, like everything started with my mom um, in this. Has, so. the, has the clairvoyancy brought you closer to her? Do you feel like, do you feel more connected with her since starting that work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, actually. That's so um, fucking cool. Yeah. What's really cool too is, you know, it's like, it can almost, they can almost be like a guide. Yeah. Yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. So it's been, it's been amazing. It's definitely, you know, everything happens for a reason, but yeah, I feel, yeah. I've soul sisters. <laughs> Grief, I mean, yeah, soul seriously. For, first of all, thank you both for sharing those deeply personal stories. I know, you know, Meadows shared on this podcast, but you've never told that story. And like, just the way that you, thank you both for your generosity, honestly, because like, those are such personal experiences that like, we don't need to know. And so the fact yeah. that like, you're choosing to give that gift to us and everybody listening, like I'm exponentially grateful for the two of you. I Grief love you. Is, I love you too. Mm. Grief is, I mean, it's just so, it's such a personal experience. And I feel like nobody can be properly set up for it, particularly when like life is just so fickle, like. Yeah. you know meta when you were talking about like you know you were you guys were mentally prepared ish because of your dad's diagnosis right. but then that's not how, how he, he went. ended up passing passing yeah you know meta knows the story of my grandmother and like yeah that i've never shared on here and not to be like oh let's all share our moments of oh, grief but but if you want to please because it is so impactful for your healing as well well it's just it's just a complete testament of like how fickle life is and like you know I always laugh yeah. at like my first tattoo because it's so much thicker than the rest of my tattoos and I'm like yeah tell me you got a first tattoo but like even you know I still love her and I will always keep her on my body because it you know I got it on the anniversary of my grandma's death when I was like I was like 20 when I got this tattoo I'm curious also to hear a side note before I tell this story more about like how you said they can almost act as guides because I think that that's also something that like I'm really trying to tap into that clairvoyant side of myself. Mm -hmm. And it's something mm -hmm. that everybody has the capacity to do. I think that's yes. a big misunderstanding. 100%. Well, it's also like we mm -hmm. said earlier about children. Like when you keep telling children, no, that's not socially acceptable. No, that, like you, we right. teach our abilities out of our children. Please keep going. That's no, what I was alluding to. Yes. Yeah. And I wonder, but also it's kind of scary to to know yeah. that we have that capacity like I, I don't want to yeah. diminish that side of it as well because I know that like when I had moments when my grandma first passed where I 100% saw her but I yeah. was little and I was scared and I was yeah. like I'm I would I like I'm not ready like I, I can't yeah and I never really saw her again in that same way and I know yeah. Meadow has like a similar story with her dad where mm -hmm. it can be scary mm -hmm. to know that the veil is so Thin, and I wonder how you've been able to work with that. If you've had similar experiences like that, like if you've been able to overcome that advice for people that like want to tap into their abilities, but like don't know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny that you say that uh, something I actually kind of left out of my story that usually when I tell my friends that little, um, like how it all started, I usually mention when I was speaking to that clairvoyant who told me, she was like, your gift is going to be your ears. And mm -hmm. again, I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. However, I got full body chills because my entire life growing up, I have covered my ears in bed and I've never understood why. Wait, so do I. I can't sleep without the cover over my ears. Yeah, I sleep with a I pillow. Get scared. I sleep like, with a pillow over my ears. Yeah. Yep. I get scared. Yeah. And when I was little, it's how I would like protect myself at night. Yep. Yeah. And I, I've done it as an adult. Like, especially in like really energetically charged places. Like my, yes. my grandma's house was built in 1902 in Pennsylvania. And we, I frequented it every year. Every time I went there, I would wake up in the middle of the night around like 3 a.m. sweating and like cover my ears. And I mm -hmm, still yeah. um, did it up until she passed a few years ago. I was there and I was still doing it. And it was just like so validating to hear the woman say that because I was like, oh, so oh yes, God, I've absolutely. never thought about why I do that. Mm -hmm. I've yeah, never she's like, thought about why I do that. She's like, it probably scared the hell out of you as a child and yeah. or someone told you that you're imagining things. I'm not going to lie. I went through a phase with these headphones so intensely that I thought I'm probably just on the spectrum. 
because I'm just so sensitive and I like to be in my own little thing. I can't travel with you know? without um without soundproof headphones. Big guys. Yeah. Same. I, same. I keep them on the entire time. It's like too yeah. too much. We yeah. all have, yeah. Everyone has. My boyfriend has that with like his hoodie and like he has a beanie that he always emotional like, support hoodie in the yeah, beanie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But wow, I never thought about that with the ears because it was always me. And I still do it now out of habit. Mm-hmm. But first, when I was little, it started of like I felt and like it's not like anything ever happened to me in my sleep that yeah. like would have caused trauma in this way. But I was, it would like freak me out. And I felt like scared. monster under the like, bed. Yes. I felt like, like some, good, someone yeah. could like get me if my ears weren't yeah. covered. Very, Whoa. very bizarre, hmm. right? She she was just like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But the fact that she said that, and that was so significant to me. And it's always, it was always in like places that even before I knew about energy in mm-hmm. the space or could really comprehend that growing up, like it would always happen in those areas where there, it was just more heightened. Like I was like sweaty or like I woke up or, you know, those, those different things that happen. Totally. Anyways. Yeah. Wild that you both do. Whoa. So do you do like ancestor work? Are you into shadow work? Like kind of what, what are you currently playing with, with your Mm. spirituality and mental health stuff right now? Well, let's see. Shadow work for sure. Shadow work, inner child work. Like I, I've, yeah. I mean, it's ongoing, so I don't want to say like I've been through that because there's no finish line. Right. But I would say right now what I'm working on most is validation Mm. because in clairvoyant work and energy work, there's so much trust that you have to have in yourself. And what one thing I really like about the school that I'm going to is that they um, create really strict guidelines for reading to really... Mm protect um the space and make sure you're doing it responsibly and you're not messing with someone's life you know what I mean yeah and so we actually as we read people cannot ask for validation so if I have a reading with someone that and I tell them their whole story afterwards it's just like okay thank you you know Mm, or do you have any more questions but it's incredibly difficult and incredibly triggering to start to practice clairvoyance and not receive validation, but it's what makes you the most foundationally strong to do it responsibly. So that's my biggest work right now is, is validation in everything that I do. So it ties back to our people pleasing tendencies, right? It's like every decision I make, every time I say something to my partner, that's like maybe bothering me. And instead of second guessing myself or thinking like, Oh, was that too much? Like standing by it and being validated in how I feel and so that's, that's huge right now. Just really quick. I have a, uh, people pleaser reframe that I just feel called to share with you. Cause I think it's going to resonate. Cause we've been talking so much about attachment and letting go. Yes, I used please. to say, or I I've said on this podcast before, like people pleasing was my form of control. Yes. Because if I got to control the way in which I presented myself to mm-hmm. you so that I knew exactly how you're going to respond to me, yep. then I won't be rejected for being my authentic self but then you're giving me the validation that's validating who I'm not anyway. So I'm not even, I am still being rejected in a sense, but it was like, for me, it was so wrapped up in that control. Like anytime I find myself in small little situations, like I just tell myself you're controlling, like you're being manipulative. And then that, like that feeling of removing someone else's autonomy is so quick to like, get me out of it and pull me out of it. Then, then I just say my fucking truth. Cause I'm like, they get to decide how they want to show up to that or not. And that's my biggest gift to them mm. is me saying my truth and letting them show up how they want to, too. Oh, and that's been like man. my biggest release from people pleasing. But anyway, Gabby, go. I just felt called to share that with you. Yes. Thank you. Now I'm just stuck on this clairvoyant conversation. No, I because, love this. Keep it going. Well, I'm just curious from the flip side, right? Because as somebody that's gotten a lot of readings, and I know that we get a lot of questions about, you know, tarot and, and meeting with, with clairvoyance and all of these mm-hmm. things. I know that I've definitely been in a room because like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that part of creating that safe space is not asking like, did this resonate with you? Because I know that I've been in moments where that question has been asked to me with multiple different people that I've worked with. And sometimes I feel inclined to be like, yeah, I guess when it doesn't. And I find Mm. it so interesting because at first my initial reaction, and while this can totally be true is like, 
mm, they're just kind of like not tapping in right or like I don't be like you're not good at your job but like whatever the case may be but what I've realized is that we do have so many different stories and life Mm -hmm. paths that we could go on and whatever Mm -hmm. we choose is the right one because Mm -hmm. that's the one that we've chosen and that's the decision that we've made but I think sometimes you know people can illuminate that story because we were just one inch away other from versions taking of that step that would take totally. us down that version but instead totally. because we have free will we've taken yep. the other choice and now we're down this life path so maybe what they've said doesn't really resonate so i wonder if you have any tips for people on the other side i don't like i don't want to use the word like consumers but people you know who are going to readings clients for, i guess yeah yeah, yeah, yeah clients yeah, yeah. that are going to readings how we can best disseminate somebody who we feel safe and aligned with and how to also leave that reading with our free will and autonomy to continue making decisions for ourselves that we feel like are best for ourselves and not giving that person the power of knowing what is best for us and what decisions we should be making. Mm, mm, I love that, Gabby. Gosh, I don't know. I'm like, I'm still such a newbie. I don't want to, you know, sit here and pretend that I have years of experience of doing this, but I similarly have quite a bit of experience of being a readie or a client and sitting mm-hmm. in the space. And I've always kept my readers very diversified. Uh, I have like mm. probably mm. four or five because I like to make sure that I'm not getting too consumed in one. I like to mix it, yeah. mix it up and not feel, you know, it's, I think it's just mm-hmm. a little bit healthier, but I guess I would say Going into a reading, you really just have to set up your mindset as this is an interpretation you're receiving from a reader. Everything is going through them. So the work that I'm doing foundationally is helpful to ensure that my filters don't play a part in interpreting messages that are coming through. Mm -hmm. And I think certain people in the space work differently. Um, And so if you're feeling like someone is kind of making an opinion over what they're stating to you, or you feel like they have emotion behind what they're stating to you, I feel like those can be kind of red flags because Mm -hmm. it should truly just be a very straightforward interpretation. And as long as you keep your mindset as well as, oh, this is an interpretation, this is not set in stone right? This is just what's coming Mm -hmm. through in this moment, through this person at this time. I think that really helps ground you back into knowing that ultimately whatever and everything you need lies within yourself. And so just holding on to that too, when you're in readings, it's like, if you're like, something doesn't resonate with you, or it just doesn't sound right, trust yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I think, I think a lot of, um, do you guys follow Chris Corsini? Mm-mm. Yes. I, don't. I love Chris. I love him. Yeah. So he does a lot of tarot readings. His channel is just great. He also he does signs. like workshops and stuff. Signs. I yeah. love yes, I love Oh, his- I know who you're talking about. My cousin sends me his yeah. stuff, but I don't follow him. But she has sent yeah. me him before because I recognized him signing while he's giving the reading. Anyway, go on. Something I love about his readings is that he'll continuously say, like, if this doesn't sit with you well, brush it off. Whoa. Like let it Both go. Both of us doing the same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so I, I guess, I guess ultimately with all of this work, it comes from you first. And Mm -hmm. I think if you're not foundationally grounded and you're kind of taking too much external without focusing on your internal, that's where the imbalance happens and it can get a little bit unhealthy or difficult Mm -hmm. to digest. I so see like Oh God, for all of us, like how this comes back to business even, because as you're talking, mm-hmm. it's wild. One, I was told I was going to be a coach in a clairvoyancy reading and my response really? is literally like coaching soccer. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I was like, I had no fucking no clue what that was going to mean. It, and six months later, someone approached me and asked for it. And that's what like started this whole journey. Because I was only doing consulting with brands, not like individual mm-hmm. creatives. But so even then, like the me, way that sorry, you- You're telling me that we also found out yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the same yeah. way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love yeah. that. <laughs> I was, I'm like trying not to talk about myself too much, but everything you say, I'm like, I feel like this is exactly reflected in my own life. Like this is great. So we're all having dinner next time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. what's happening. 
But like, even the way that you like meditate before rare, like the way that you're talking about going into readings, like I do that before every single coaching call, I meditate. And my goal is to like, become a pure vessel for information and remove any aspect of my own conditioning, my own beliefs, my own thoughts, like it's removing all my own shit so that I can really show up as an authentic mirror for someone else. And it's like, you're doing that in every space. I watch how Gabby does that moving into her own spaces. Like it's just (laughs) all of this relates back to what we're trying to do in our careers as well. Like it's just so, I don't know, I guess Gabby, just like going back to people that don't see the value, like Mm -hmm. they're so deeply intertwined and so supportive of each other. Even the way we say, if you're burnt out, you have to take care of yourself in order to show up and like have a brain at work. Mm -hmm. This is the same shit. Like in order to really like move authentically through these spaces and show up, you have to do your own shit. Mm -hmm. 110%. I mean, like even, even in the way that like you look at day to day things, like when somebody has road rage or where, you know, somebody best example, (laughs) number one, something that we did that I always am careful to like give away specifics about the the activities that we did at Hoffman because I, I never yeah. want to like ruin someone's experience if they choose to go. But one of the, I'm like, but let me tell you, one of the, you know, activities that we did had a lot to do with projection and recognizing when like you really just, pro- like they didn't, yeah, they might've been an asshole, but like that's on them. And like, you know, you could be whatever. It's like, everything is like sort of our projection of something. And just think about the way that you would be able to move through your life with so much more ease if you just realize that like that's their shit not yours their yeah. shit yes that's their shit these are yes. like what just what meadow said of like removing your filters like if, even if you know if your friends are coming to for advice and then you get these like i know we've all been there get these like visceral reactions to what yeah. their decisions are right like, it's not about you Right. Yeah, that's their that's totally. their journey. That's their movie. You're there totally. to like if you know either listen or give advice if they've asked for it. But like, give advice from a place that's like not burdened with like all of your shit. Absolutely. Totally. I mean, I'm even careful about how much advice I take from oh, people, yeah. whether it's they're really close to me or not, because then you're just going back to that external versus internal mm-hmm. validation, and ultimately. Mm-hmm. If you fall out of balance with that, it just, it skews everything in your life. Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw this um, TikTok recently from the founder of Spanx and she was saying how she didn't tell anybody in her family. I can't remember the exact timeline, but she didn't tell anybody like friends, family, nothing about creating her business until I believe she said until it was at a place where she knew it was going to work. And Mm -hmm. it was going along. I mean, she knew it was going to work as much as she could know that it was going to work, right? Yeah. And she said, if I would have told my friends and family when I was developing the concept, I would have never started this company because I would have gotten told that's not going to work or like, ooh, are you sure you don't want to tweak it this way or, you know, whatever. And I was just talking about this with my boyfriend about the importance of holding our ideas close to our chest. And it's the same thing with asking for advice. And I go even as far to say, like, to urge people even to not tell their ideas or not ask for advice from external people until you've gotten to a place where it's like, you really trust your own intuition. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's a muscle. And if totally. you, it's just, it's so easy to take it from somebody who did it for the better half of their life. Yeah. It is so easy to just move through life on autopilot, just doing what somebody else tells you to do because you're like, yeah, "Yeah, it's easier than making my own decision. And this is where I really thank you for that. Like this is because you just like set me up exactly for this is what I really want to do with the beauty industry. It is Mm -hmm. such an externally focused industry, right? Like because, because you are kind of creating art with makeup or you are creating art with hair and skincare is self-care, but it's it's very externally focused. And I actually found my self-care through my skincare. And, and I, it, that's actually kind of how my meditation started. Like as I would apply mm-hmm. my skincare in between each step, I would start doing breath work while like the serum was seeping in and then, or whatever, cool. it might, or steaming my face and meditating during that. Like I was just so consumed in beauty and work that that was my mm-hmm. way in. 
And totally, I feel like the beauty industry is like beyond peaking. It's basically <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. blown up and there's so much opportunity for us to take it and turn it internal and really focus mm-hmm. on what it is about the art of beauty that comes from inside of us versus like what it is we're trying to create to appease the external. Yeah. Just turning it back in. And I feel like there's so much opportunity for that. And everything we're talking about applies to that. And it's connected to social media too. And whatever this metaverse is that we're going to be moving into, I think it's just so important that on every facet of our life, whether it's like beauty or personal or professional, that you're foundationally strong in your internal validation, period. Oh my God. My inner child needed someone like you so badly because <laughs> I've too. been, Thank you. Uh, yeah, you are who your inner child needed. That's, that's mm. such a beautiful, I love that one. But I was so obsessed with skincare in high school. Like my boyfriend at the time's mom turned me on to Paula's choice. And I like had the full, like I had the best skin of anyone in high school. I was a queen. Oh, you with skincare. oh yeah, she does. Thank Metal you. glows. I am the skincare queen. I literally, I can't reach it because my dog's on my lap, but I was showing Gabby before you logged on uh, my new little parasol I got because it's 90 (laughs) degrees outside and I will not be in the sun because I'm too pale and I'm protecting my skin at all times. Yeah, I'll get, we need to get you I use my grandma's parasols in the park. (laughs) But like, of course you do, right? Like, of course you do. But I've loved it for so long and I feel so similarly, like it was such a beautiful routine. But when I was deep in my like working in nonprofits and like deep in social work, I remember like one of the many blogs I started and stopped in like 2017, I wrote like a scathing fucking article about a face mask is not self-care. Because I was like, if I watch the beauty industry try to sell me one more fucking product and call it mental health work, I'm going to rip my hair out. And that what it made me so, there was so much cognitive dissonance because I was like, it is so meditative. It's such a way to like nurture your vessel and like remember mm-hmm. what, the difference between your spirit and your vessel. And like I believed in that so much and it was such a part of my personal experience. But the way that it was being packaged yeah. was so external focused and grimy. Like you are just someone that all of us fucking need in this industry. Yeah. And I'm so grateful oh, man. for what you're doing. I like I you've given me chills like six times today already. Melinda, like I'm just so grateful for your presence, who you are, Mm -hmm. what you're bringing to the table, how you're moving through your life. And now I'm honored to call you a friend and I can't wait to hang out with you. Thank you so much. Everything Meadow said times two. Not like we haven't already (laughs) hung out and we just didn't even know. I'm still obsessed (laughs) with that. (laughs) Like I got to find an old Heyman's dance video so we can like watch the recital and just like scream at ourselves. There's no doubt that both of us are in like a purple one shoulder lime matching feather no, exactly. outfit. <laughs> yeah. Thank All you so much. All our little inner babies. We love you. We love you. Thank Come you back for soon. coming on. Yes. How's it going, y'all? It's Aaron. Don't let your Monday suck. Don't have those Sunday scaries. I'm tired of everybody waking up in the week saying, ah, shit, it's Monday. You know what goes down? TMV releases every week on Mondays. Make sure you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching YouTube, yes, TMV has a YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and ring that noti bell and never miss a thing. And also, join the TMV familia by joining the Thoughts May Vary Patreon and by following at Thoughts May Vary Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you for listening. Great. There you go. Thanks, Nadine. Gotcha.